It's All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence with our latest episode of Off the Road. Find the complete series, including hours of interviews and many exclusive musical performances, plus links to subscribe to the podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org slash off the road. Today, we're welcoming a member of one of the biggest bands of all time, The Police and guitarist Andy Summers, who has a new book, Fretted and Moaning, 45 Short Stories. Some with a connection to Hawaii, we'll hear, as we connect with Andy at his home in L.A. Big aloha and mahalo for doing this. We really do appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Thank you. I'm uh, pleased to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. And as for yourself, is there any interesting story or stories as to how the crisis first impacted you or any intense or moving well, situations? Yeah, well, you know, it sort of crept up on us. We started to hear about it in the distance. And the uh, biggest impact for me, I was just about to go to, you know, the continent of South America. I had nine countries lined up to play in. And that was the end of that. So that was a big, <laughs> suddenly carved a large hole in my life. What's the status of those? Do you plan on something for next year or what's the... the- oh, well, we're all hoping, you know, we're all, uh, I've been going to Brazil. It's like the other half of my life. I've been going to Brazil for over 20 years now. And I've played, I've never missed a year. Sometimes I've gone three times in one year. So I've done various kinds of music there. So I have a kind of, uh, I have a, rock band there, trio that we've had great success with. I also play with one of the great uh, bossa nova masters called uh, Roberto Menescal. Right. So I'm missing out all these things this time. It was uh, This was going to be, I think, our fourth tour with that trio and really looking forward to it. The odd thing is that something has come up that won't be in Brazil, but with that band and also with Roberto Menescal that we've been invited to play at the... Uh, World Environmental Congress, which mm. takes place in Scotland, in Glasgow, and sometime in November. So, waiting for that to unfold at the moment. Fingers crossed that that can work out. And uh, yeah. And so, turn into this book, "Fretted and Moaning." It's called. It's uh, Andy's new book, forty-five short stories, almost all of them with either a music industry or musical flavor or musical references. Usually, it's to guitars. So that's the general idea. All these different takes wrap around the guitar in each story but in a different way you know whether it's a couples an isolated man a, I don't know, a guitar on its own whatever you know i you know i just sort of kept going with it and originally it was going to be 33 stories i think the published like the idea of making it you know like a record 33 but then we turned out to have even more than that and so we've ended up with 45 so <laughs> <laughs> But you kept yeah. that record theme. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's cute. I do have more stories, actually. I don't know if we're ever going to do a part two of all this. More. You'll do a 78, you'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that would be a lot of stories to write. <laughs> well, let's dial in on one of these that uh, has a Hawaii connection in it. A corpse mm. in, in Tinseltown uh, based around a musician in L.A. in the 30s. And, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah. Th- that has uh, this great line about a guy trying to join a band, and, and they basically say, if you want the gig, you have to play lap steel Hawaiian style. Yeah. <laughs> With its reference to a few Hawaiian tunes in there too, like on the beach at Waikiki. Share, yeah. a, little, share a little of your inspiration for this and also yeah. your connection to lap steel guitar. Yeah. All right. Well, of course, in my arsenal of guitars, of course, I have Dobro and a National and I play slide. I can play slide guitar pretty well and all that. So, you know, uh, you know, in my information of course i knew about people like soul hoopy with a great uh, hawaiian uh, slide guitar virtuosos all in the 30s yep but i had this idea of this guy coming in from chicago and he's basically 
grown up in a sort of mafia mobster atmosphere. But he is a musician, probably an Italian-American, and, and the mobsters all like him. But he turns up to try and make it in Hollywood, and it doesn't go too well. And uh, <laughs> mobster puts in a phone call, and he gets a gig. He wants to play like hot jazz, like Benny Goodman or somebody. And that's not the gig. The gig is to play these kind of very sentimental Hawaiian tunes from, from that period, probably. But, he, you know, it's a gig, so he does it, and then, of course, the story unfolds. And we won't spoil it for folks, but there's no, a great, the, 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 uh, of course, the person is saved at the end of the story by the lap steel guitar. <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of gave it away that. Well, not really, because it still leaves a lot. Okay, of, read the story, people. Yeah. <laughs> leaves right. a lot to the imagination. One never knows how that could work out. Well, it's a out. great way to use that instrument. And, you know, that leads into another question I had, because as I studied, as you go through the book, and certainly reading about you, too, your Wikipedia page lists that you spent nearly uh, about five years in California, late 60s, early 70s, graduating from Cal State Northridge. Yeah. Is, is that accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. yeah. So then when I think, did this time in California influence the approach to stories like A Corpse in Tinseltown or Hill of Beans, where the character says at one point in Hill of Beans, he says, quote, I dream about America in the 50s, long-finned Cadillacs, L.A., men wearing suits and hats, and palm trees hovering over wide boulevards. It felt yeah. self-reflective to me. Yeah. Well, it's true. I'm English, but, you know, I came to L.A. in my very early 20s and, uh, you know, I ended up going to college. So this sort of California thing got into my blood. I met my wife here. You know, she's American. I did go back to England, obviously, and then I was in the police and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, went back to my English roots. And then after the demise of the police, I really didn't like being in London. And I, I sort of on an instant, I turned around and came back to Los Angeles, where I've been ever since. And, you know, I guess I, in a weird way, you know, I'm an English person but um, with English blood, but um, I'm pretty Californiaized, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great word, Californiaized. Yeah. Yeah. Madison Square Garden comes up in the story Discipline, which in some ways is uh, about the kind of persistence. There's so many themes that would relate to a musician's life, yeah. but the, it's about the kind of persistence and putting up with bandmates' differences that it must take to one day arrive in the garden. And that's a place I actually saw you in August of 2007. What are your own memories or special stories of that building and the police's experiences there? Yeah, well, you know, there are all the venues we've played, the stadium, blah, 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 all over the world. Madison Square Gardens remains at the heart Heart. There's a vibe there, a lovely feeling. It's a great place to play, and I mean, I think the sound's very good. It's that kind of New York thing and the warmth of the crowd. And, you know, we, we chose to end our, you know, world reunion tour there. You know, we, we were offered bigger places than that, but we just felt that, it, you know, in a weird, almost sentimental way, that we want to end it at uh, Madison Square Gardens because, you know, we felt. This is the heart of the whole thing. And, you know, the first time we ever played there was, like, huge for us because we were coming up through punk clubs. I mean, we finally made it to Madison Square Gardens. And then it seemed very appropriate to uh, do our final gig there. You know, a lot of warmth, you know, great crowd and all that. So Here's another fun cameo in this thing. Uh, and uh, familiar roles in the book get reversed. The <laughs> It's the cheating wife accusing her husband of cheating only to reveal that she's three months pregnant with Eric Clapton's child. Now, can you explain your own relationship with Eric? My very earliest days playing in London, we were always on the same stage together, and then we became friends and we hung out for a while. 
And then he got into Cream, and that was sort of, he disappeared from sight then. Okay, but you go all the way back to him before Cream. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, my one apocryphal true story is that he, you know, he got his uh, Les Paul stolen, and I sold him mine. He kept calling me. I, in fact, I told him where to get the Les Paul in the first place. I turned up at the Flamingo in London with this Les Paul and I bought on Charing Cross Road in London, and there was another one for sale. And he said, hey, man, where did you get that guitar? Where would you get that? I can't get one of those. I said, oh, there's another one. Of course, if I'd been really thinking, I should have bought the other one. They <laughs> 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 up to about a million dollars, so 59 Les Pauls. He went and bought it, and then it was stolen. So then he started calling me to, to buy mine, and I really didn't want to let go of it. <laughs> But by that time, I bought a 1958 Telecaster, and I'd sort of fallen in love with it. And I started playing the Telecaster all the time, and I'd put Les Paul under the bed. Eric kept calling, and eventually I gave in, and I, I sold it to him for an exorbitant price, and he recorded <laughs> Fresh Cream with it. Wow. So you sold it before yeah. Fresh Cream even came out. You sold him the thing. Yeah, I remember going to uh, AdVision Studios in the West End of London, and Eric, Jack, and Ginger were in there recording. Yeah. And you handed over the guitar and took the I cash. I handed over the guitar and immediately regretted it. <laughs> I, saying, uh, I thought about asking him to give it back to me. <laughs> it's Andy Summers of the Police, and tomorrow we'll conclude with some incredible storytelling about his experiences with one of Bob Marley's children, John Belushi, and Jimi Hendrix. Find this in our entire off-the-road archive, plus links to subscribe to the podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org slash off the road. I'm Dave Lawrence. There is no political solution.